Lord, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you how you speak to us and just continually calling and calling and wooing and inviting us to join you, to be part of what you're doing, to know you, to walk with you, to labor with you, to suffer with you, to find the joy of reaching your heart. God, open hearts today, open ears, open eyes to see you, to hear you. Help us to respond to you in a deeper way, Lord. Remove the hindrances. Create faith where there isn't any, Lord. Strengthen faith where there's little. God, speak to us. I yield myself to you, Lord. I yield this vessel to you. We need a word from heaven. We need a word from your very heart, Lord. So God, speak to us. Speak to me, Lord. That lovely voice. Just continue to have your way, Lord. Continue doing what you want to do in all of us, Lord. I thank you, God, and I love you. Let your word accomplish what you desire it to accomplish today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share a little bit from what uh, Dr. Abby shared with the men Wednesday night. He was teaching out of 2 Corinthians 3. And I do want to just kind of throw this out there that Wednesday nights when we teach through a book of the Bible, it really is what we sense God is leading us as far as the body and what He wants to speak with the body. And I know it's for the men on Wednesday, but I want to encourage the women to go online and listen to these messages because it really is how God wants to prepare us as a body. He wants us to know things. He wants us to be led by His Spirit, and He wants to teach us from His Word so we know how to dwell as a body. We know what our purpose is. We know how to walk that out. So it's very important. Um, so I just want to encourage you to do that, ladies. And uh, men, if you're not able to make it for some reason, um, just go online and listen to that. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians 3.14... And I have to give you some backdrop. As he was teaching, I had a growing sense in my heart, and it really was just a love for the men, but it was also for the ladies in the back, and then it just expanded to really anyone that's attached to this body. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't emotion. It wasn't sentiment. It was, it was supernatural. I, I don't know how to explain it to you, but I've experienced this before. I experienced it when God finally broke into my heart and revealed the cross to me through a, a guy I was praying for and somehow let me experience how he loved this man. And that's what I was sensing Wednesday night. And it, I'm just telling you, it goes beyond human love. It's stronger. It's like a fire. It's like a passion. 
And everything in me was fighting to contain it. And finally, at the end, I had to just get up, right, guys, and share what was on my heart. But it's, it's almost as God is just yearning, yearning, yearning for you, yearning for your heart, wanting you. You really can't put it into words. It's, it's a desire from God's own heart for you, for me, something that goes beyond human comprehension when we think about this holy God that we sang about, that Isaiah, when he saw, was undone. This unapproachable God that dwells in unapproachable light. Yet, He's given us access. He, he's made a way for us to somehow be cleansed and clothed by Himself so that we can approach Him. That's the reality of salvation. Is it's so beyond what we make it. I think if we understood it more, we would just be more radical and just more forsaken, given over to Him than we are. The angels can't even wrap their minds around it. And I don't know what they think. You know, what, what is it that God sees in these people? What is it that He would take them, these mere creatures of dust, and raise them up to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus? What is it? And it says in, in the Word that they want to look at this. They want to understand the deepness of this God, this holy God that wants us, that has called us to enter into His throne room, that fiery throne room, that holy place, where if He didn't give us access, we would just perish. We see glimpses of this in Scripture. So as Adam was going through these Scriptures, it was becoming more and more real to me. The wonder of what God does when He takes the veil away. And somehow the light of the Gospel pierces our hearts. And we understand at that moment, there's something greater than what I have been living for. I've been like an animal eating grass, not understanding I was made for God. I, I was made for eternity. And we've been living earthly and just going after earthly things, blinded by the God of this age. And somehow God breaks into our world and He opens our eyes. And that's what this is describing when it says, um, their minds were blinded. He's talking about Israel here, but it, it speaks of all mankind. Their minds were blinded for until this day. The same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil lies upon their heart. And we understand in 2 Corinthians 4, it says, even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded. That was you. That was me. Nevertheless, verse 16, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Anybody 
when anybody turns to the Lord, when anybody embraces the light when it comes, which at first will cause what Isaiah experienced. I'm undone. I am a sinner. I am undone before this holy... There's no hope for me. I have rebelled against a holy God. It just happens. But when you embrace that and experience the forgiveness and the mercy of God, that, that cross, that message of the cross that was foolish just once before now becomes the greatest, the best news you've ever heard in your life. And the wonder, the wonder of God's love is shed abroad in your heart. The Scriptures tells us that you begin to taste and know the goodness of God. And that's what changes us. And as I was thinking about this, um, I couldn't help but think about the Apostle John. Because John had something that the other disciples didn't have. He had a tenderness. He had a knowledge of the Lord from the very beginning that the others were missing. And there was a reason for it. They all experienced... Remember Peter when he realizes somewhat who Jesus is. He says, depart from me. I'm an unclean man. John somehow also understood that, but he also understood something the others didn't understand yet, and it caused him to just want to be near Jesus. There was something about his heart that he just wanted to be close to him. And we get a picture of this at the Last Supper. When it says in John thirteen twenty three, there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And it says that in, I think, two other places in the book of John. And I thought it was strange. Like, that's weird. John's saying that about himself. It's not someone else writing it. Oh, yeah, Jesus really loved John. No, it's John saying, he loved me. It doesn't say that about anybody else. None of the other disciples. So did he just love John and not the others? No. But John somehow understood it more. And that's what God wants you to understand. Because we don't understand it very well. You know why? Because we're afraid or we think we can't or for whatever reason. Jesus is sitting there. He's, he's, he's in a posture that's inviting us to come over and, and basically, like, just lay like this in his bosom. Now, I don't mind doing that with my wife if I did it with Justin. Right, guys? It'd be weird. Women, it's easier for them to imagine Jesus sitting there and going over, Jesus, of course I'll lay my head. But for guys, it's weird. Shouldn't be. It wasn't weird for John. And we're called men. We're called. And that's what 
was so real to me. When, when I was looking at these men, it's like, guys, He loves you. He wants you to go over and to lay your head in His bosom. The Word of God, John said, Jesus came from the bosom of the Father. What that means is a, a place of oneness, a place of intimacy. Jesus came from the bosom of the Father, and He came to reveal the Father to us. And now we're invited to lean on His bosom because God wants us to experience the same oneness that Jesus and the Father had. Didn't He pray that for us in John 17? That's the call that's going forth. It's not a losing game for us. We don't lose much. When Jesus says, forsake all, walk away from this, walk away from that, give me your time, we're not losing anything. We're gaining everything. We're given access to the very heart of God. We're promised an inheritance, a joint inheritance with Christ. With things that don't fade away, it will last for all of eternity. Everything we live for here, it's fading away. It's nothing. You weren't created for this. This isn't how God meant it to be. We messed it up. We rebelled. But yet He still made a way for us. And Proverbs says, wisdom calls and calls on every street corner to anyone that will listen. Come in here. Come to me. That's what's going on here. That's what God's doing. That's what He's been doing the last few years since COVID. Come out of her, my people. Come to me. Come out of her, my people. Come to me. Time is short. Come to me. We had a word all the way from North Korea today. I know it's coming. I know it's coming soon. And, and Jesus said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Watch and pray. Lest you, you're, you're unaware when these things happen. God's going to have a people in the earth that glorify Him, just like He had the disciples, just like He used the early church. But we have to respond to the call. We have to hear that voice that is calling us. We're all invited there. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. God's calling you there. He's made a way for you to be cleansed, just like Isaiah. You're no different. He wants to take your life he wants to reveal Himself to you. He wants to pour out your life. He wants to manifest His glory through your life. He's waiting for you. That kept going over and over in mind. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. I want you. I want you to come to me in that place. I want you to lay your head on my breast. I want you to feel my heartbeat, just like we were singing. As you seek me, the more you seek me, the more you'll understand my love for you, the more you'll love me. <clears throat> when we look at the life of John from the moment he met Jesus, he was always there 
in moments when others either didn't see the need or just didn't understand the importance of being close to Jesus. There was something in John. And even up until his last writing at the end of the book of Revelation, his heart is crying out, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. All the way at the end of his life, nearing the end of his life, there's a cry in his heart, Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Come, Lord Jesus. Let us come. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. How do we do what John did? How do we answer this call? I just said it. Come. What are you waiting for? Now, I understand. Don't don't get me wrong. I understand. Most of you are coming. Right? Hopefully, I'm coming. I've been coming. But He really wants you to come. You understand when I say that? Like, stop being reserved about it. He's waiting for us to totally just fling ourselves upon Him. That's what He's after. We naturally are distanced from Him. Just naturally. We just naturally are. So He's the one always initiated. He's always the one in the background. We don't realize how much God actually pursues us. In spite of ourselves. That's what blows my mind. He wants me that bad. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I wouldn't want me. You understand? But yet He does. He sees something in you. He sees something of me. There is value in our lives. He saw it so much, He died for us. So, come to Him. Isaiah 55 says, Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, eat. Yes, come. Buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? That's all you'll find in this world. Everything that doesn't satisfy. Listen to me carefully. Eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and listen to me. Come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David. Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10:22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of hope without wavering, for he whose promise is faithful. If you come to him, he will in no ways cast you out. I don't care where you've been. I don't care 
how dark you may feel. If you come to Him, His promise is, I will cleanse you, I will receive you. That's what grace is. Matthew 11, He said, Come to Me, all you who are heavy and la- uh, uh, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in John 7, 37, just out of the depths of His heart, Jesus cries out. It says, He stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, come to Me. God in the flesh, in Jesus, standing up, crying out in the midst of the people, come to Me. If you're thirsty, come to Me. So come. But don't just come. Keep on coming. That's the key. It's not a one-time coming. You've got to keep coming. John kept going. We've got to keep coming. Psalm 27, 4 says, One thing I have desired, that I will seek. We, we kind of sang a song alluding to this. Better is one day in your course. I want every day in His course. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Psalm 1-2, talking about the, the man of God. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night, day and night. Psalm 119.97 Oh, how I love you, Lord. It's my meditation. Day and night, day and night. I keep coming to you. I keep coming to you. I keep coming to you. There's nowhere else I want to be than on your bosom, hearing you. Feeling your arms around me. Listening to your voice. You know, John got privy in that place in the Last Supper. Because he was able to ask Jesus, who is it, Lord? And Jesus whispered in his ear. And God wants to whisper things into your ear. He wants to tell you things. But you have to be in the right place for him to do that. He wants to call you. He's got things for you to do. But you have to get into that place so you can hear him calling you. So he can speak to you the things he wants to say. Mary understood the secret. In Luke 10, we have the account, right, of Martha and Mary. And you know what our problem is? We're way too much like Martha. We're so busy. We we don't have time to lay upon the bosom of Jesus. We don't have time to sit at His feet. But we have to make time. We have to get out of the, the hamster wheel. Somehow, we have to step out of it. We're not going to survive. Listen to me. You're not going to survive if you don't. Because the cares of this life will, will choke out the Word of God. It will choke out the reality of God. It will dull your spiritual senses. You won't understand what's going on. You won't be ready. God is speaking to us here from other countries Because those people, those believers understand. They see the writing on the wall. Just like, um, what's his name? That was using all the temple stuff. Uh, Belshazzar. 
Right? Is that, that right? Yeah. They're there. They're partying with all the things from the temple, and all of a sudden a hand appears on the wall, writing on the wall. No one can understand. They're shaking. What does this mean? What does it mean? Basically, it was saying, you're done. Your kingdom's over. You're, you're profaning the things of God. It's done. It's done. It's over. And when I see what takes place on the White House lawn, it's over. It's over. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. That's all I'll say. Jesus said one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, and it will not be taken away from her. You and I need what will not be taken away. And all we will have is what Jesus gives us. Everything else can be shaken. You understand that everything else can be taken away. But what God puts in your heart, the knowledge, the things He wants to impart to you, no one can take that from you. Nobody. So this is a daily choice we have to make to redeem our time. The next thing we need to understand is that we do it not out of obligation, not out of duty, but because of fellowship. Because that's what God's after. He's not after us doing a list of things like, okay, you better read your Bible. You better have a prayer time. You better do this. You better do that. No, He's just saying, come, come lay your head. I want to spend time with you. I want to fellowship with you. That's why I'm taking the time to sit at His feet. I want to hear His voice. That's what God wants. That's what the Gospel provides. Nearness to God, abiding in His love. Again, Jesus came from the Father's bosom. That same place of intimate communion, fellowship, and oneness. And Jesus wouldn't have prayed that for us if that wasn't God's desire for us. He wants fellowship. He wants you. He wants you to know Him. That's what salvation is. Knowing Him. The next thing we find when we draw near is love. And I'll just tell you, love is the power that annihilates that distance you feel. With God, with others, the, the, the closer you draw to Him, the more you understand how you are loved. And that love will dissolve fear. It will cast out fear. It will enable, it will compel you to follow hard after Him. It will ignite something in you. Love for Him. Just think about it. Isn't He worthy of our best affections? Isn't He? I mean, isn't He altogether lovely? Isn't He? Isn't He more lovely than anything else? Isn't He? The Shulamite thought so in the Song of Solomon. Isn't He always kind to us? Isn't He always loving and kind to us? Isn't He? I know He is to me when I don't deserve it. He has loved us with a love that surpasses every other. Those who love Christ are ever near His side. It's the same quality John had. 
I said to the men on Wednesday, I asked them a question, and I'll ask it to you today. Have you tasted the goodness of God? Have you? Have your eyes truly been opened? Do you understand? Has your heart been awakened? Whether at one time or recently, but, but has it? Do you really believe that God has opened your eyes and you get it? Somehow God made it real to you? The truth? The gospel? Is it real to you? Has He opened your eyes? Well, it doesn't stop there. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in your heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God did that. And then Romans 5 says, Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured on our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God has greater depths. God has greater revelations that He wants to share with you as love. And the more He is able to pour His love into you, then you will be able to be poured out for others. He wants you to be poured out for others, just like our sister is being poured out, just like so many saints all over this world are being poured out. No matter what you do to them, they love. And it's a supernatural love that comes out of them because God has poured into them His love. Because they live near to God. He is able to pour His love through their lives. At some point, that will just happen. I know that's what happened to me. I wax and wane in that, but when I understood His love, my life was over. And, and I just wanted that love to work through my life from that moment on. That was it. It's His love. That's what changed my life. That's what will change your life. This is so important, people. It's not a list of do's and don'ts. He wants you to know Him. And then it will work out amongst His people. That was an awesome video, and it's so true. Just think about it. I don't know if you've experienced this. We've traveled, but I could travel to Timbuktu. I don't care what country, but where there's genuine believers that I don't even know, I've never met before, there's an instant love. There's an instant connection. Because we're all brothers and sisters. We're all the same Father. We're all of one Spirit. That's what it's supposed to be like. There's something deep. It's deeper even than familiar love or family love. It's deeper than that. And there's somehow a joy that happens. When people are living near to God and then they come together, it's powerful. That's what God wants to do here. You understand that, right? He's calling people that want to be near Him so that when we come together, guess what? He comes with us. And then He's able to manifest Himself. He's able to do things because people are choosing to live near to Him. They're learning His heart. They're experiencing His presence, His love. And they want to be poured out. They can't hold it in. 
It's like a fire in them. And when they gather together, they just want Him to be glorified. They just want everybody to see Jesus and to know the Father. And it becomes all about Him. And that's what it's supposed to be like. So, don't forsake the fellowshipping with one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another, especially as we see the day approach. Stir up love with one another. That's what this is all about. There's so many blessings, people, when we choose to dwell in the bosom of God. So many. And I'm just going to touch on a few. First of all, I touched on this a little bit. It brings us, again, to that place of honor that we don't understand, we don't deserve, but somehow it raises us up. Not as equal to God, but somehow it puts us up. It's, the Scripture says we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus in Ephesians 2. He raises us up. He chooses to raise us up. It's, it's beyond human comprehension that if you think about what we are and who He is, but yet... He, he considers us. He, he pities us. He, those that fear Him. And somehow, when we're, we, we humble ourselves before Him, when we repent, He, picks, he doesn't leave us there. And even though we're, we're in fear and trembling, we realize, I've sinned against this holy God. And we see this over and over in Scripture. Immediately, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Come here. I love you. Come here. Come here. Sit in the best place. Sit right next to you. You know what? Put your head on my shoulder. I love you, son. That's God. That's God. What an honor. What an honor that I can recline with God and lay my head on His breast. Do you understand what He's done for you? Does it mean enough to us go after Him, to want to be there as much as we can. This privilege that's been given to us. When you do that, like I said, the greatest blessing as well will be understanding His love for you. And will be changed. That scripture I read earlier in First in 2 Corinthians 3 says, but we all with unveiled face Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, all are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. This constant looking, this constant experiencing His presence has an effect on us. And the Spirit of God in us, working, revealing truth, manifesting Christ to us, revealing the Word, changes us. From glory to glory. I'll read a quote here. It says, Do you want to experience lasting change? Do you want to grow in holiness? Sow seeds to the Spirit every day. Pursue intimacy with God. Make the gospel and God's glory your focus. Give yourselves to knowing Him, worshiping Him, meeting with Him every day. The result will be a growing passion for godliness and a deeper knowledge of His love. 
And I've used these examples before, but it, you know, it always amazes me what people will do for earthly things, like an Olympic athlete, right? And we used to speak to kids a lot, so I would tell them, you know, who here, you know, has mastered a video game? And all the hands would go up, like, I have, I have. And I'd say, you know how long that took you? They figured it out. It takes about 100 hours to beat a video game on average. What if we did that with God? What if we spent 100 hours mastering God? What would happen? Well, it's no different if we want to excel in our relationships. We want to excel in knowing God. We've got to do the same thing people will do for earthly things that will absolutely mean nada in eternity. It's worthless. It's vanity. It's like grasping for the wind. God wants you to know Him. The more you know Him, the more you persist in seeking Him, your roots are going to sink down into Him. And everything's going to change because now you're going to understand your usefulness while you're left here. Now you're going to understand your purpose, why He left you here. It's not just to know Him. It's not just to sit in that place and with your head lean on. Because we, we might look at this at some point, but in the Song of Solomon, you know, she's in her first love and she's just ecstatic and she can't believe the king's brought her into her chamber. But at some point, he's like, okay, I love you and, and you know, I want you to experience these times, but now it's time to go outside. Now it's time to follow me. Now it's time to pick up your cross. I have things I want you to do. And then others came to these daughters of Jerusalem. And now they're all going after him. And they're telling people about Jesus. This, this wonderful, wonderful king that they met that is lovely, that is beyond human comprehension. But we see in that story, there's suffering involved, there's persecution involved, but they don't care. They're lovesick. They'll do anything for him. That's what happens. That's what happened to all the disciples and all the saints that have gone before. That's what Christianity is. It's giving ourselves to him. And it's about His church, His bride. And while she's here, glorifying Him in the earth. There's a great difference, people, between intellectual and experimental knowledge of the Bible and doctrines. All real knowledge of Jesus must come from His heart. From His heart to your heart. From spirit to spirit. It's not something you're going to book learn. It comes from an intimate connection with Christ. It is to be more familiar with Christ than even a spouse, a father, a mother, a child. It's deep. It's Again, it's the oneness Jesus prayed for us with the Father. The disciples experienced that. Flesh can't produce spiritual, supernatural results. It just can't. You can use all the techniques you want, all the flashy screens, best music, whatever you want to do. Flesh cannot produce what only God can produce. 
So when we come from that place of meeting with God, like Moses, you know what happens? There's something about us. There's something supernatural. It says Moses, when he came out of that place, 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no water. You know how long you can live without water? Doctor, three to five days. Three to five days. Five days was like crazy, but yeah, three to five days. Forty days. No water, no food. There's something about God and being in His presence. What was that like? Well, it says when He came down, He was glowing. And the people were actually afraid. They had to put a veil upon Him. We see this in the book of Acts too. People were afraid. They saw something with these men. We know these guys. These are untrained men. These are just fishermen. Guy just got healed. Listen to them speak. What is this? Uh, it says in, in Acts, they were with Jesus. They were with Jesus. I, I, I want that kind of testimony. Don't you want that kind of testimony? What is it about that person? What is it? And it says, when they saw the miracle, they could not deny it was God. That's what we need. We need that. You understand. That's what the church needs now. We, we need people to look and see the miracles, see the signs, see the wonders, see the Word of God going forth in, in anointing and power, see people just coming undone and becoming radically saved. So when they look at it, they say, that's God. We can say nothing against that. That's got to be God. That's what we need. But it's going to come by drawing near to Him. The last blessing will be this. And it really is what we need. It's what God is trying to help us with. We'll be more heavenly minded, basically. We'll understand more and more and more, I am just a pilgrim. More and more, the kingdom of God will become your reality. Even though you're still living and you got to do life, I understand we all got to do life here. We got to work. We got to do things. It's just part of being here. Jesus said, I didn't take them out of the world. I left them in the world. You know, there were other people. They, they worked. They, they helped the apostles, whatever. All people doing living life. But yet, when we read about them, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, we see a quality that we need today. It's that they lived like pilgrims. They, they saw something better than their life. They, they didn't count suffering for Christ as anything, even compared to the riches of Egypt. And then we see further down all those that were martyred. Because they didn't love their lives to death. They didn't care. They, they understood I'm living for another kingdom. This isn't it. This is just temporary. And everything they did was in light of eternity. You won't have that, people. You will not have that if you're not on the bosom of God. You will not be in the reality of that if you're not taking time to be in the bosom of God. God is inviting us into his very bosom. That place of resting in his heart, that place of intimate communion. And he's waiting for you, he's waiting for me. And really, guys, 
ladies, young people. I'm imploring you. Run to Him. Go to Him. He's calling you. Put away those things that are distracting you. Once and for all, just put them away. Time is fleeting. The moments are passing. Jesus is calling. Jesus is calling. He's looking for men who love him passionately. He's looking for women that love him passionately. He's looking for young people that love him passionately and that are are really willing to just forsake all for him. We sang that song, The more I seek you, the more I find you. The more I find you, the more I love you. Let this be your song as we go here from today. Let this be your testimony. Lord, I want to sit at your feet. Help me, Lord. I don't take enough time to sit at your feet, but Lord, I'm declaring it today. I I hear you calling me, Lord. I want to sit at your feet. Lord, I want to drink from the cup in your hand. I want to lay back against you and breathe. I want to feel your heartbeat. Lord, this is our prayer today. We want what you want, Lord. We're just confessing it, Lord. We're asking you to overcome our own weaknesses, our own propensities to distractions. And God, just help us, Lord. We're just confessing today. We want to come to you, Lord. We're coming to you. We want to feel your heartbeat. We want to feel your love that is so deep. We want it to just overwhelm it that we can't stand it, Lord, just to to the point where we just melt, where it's overwhelming to us, to where we can't contain it, to Lord, where we'll just go out like the Shulamite, lovesick, and just tell everybody about you. So, Lord, I pray for all of us, God, that you would just do that in all of our hearts. God, give us ears to hear. Help us to respond to you. Bless my brothers and sisters to know you, Lord. Help us to reevaluate. Help us, Lord, to redeem our time for you. We want to be like John, Lord. We want to be close to you. We want to be near to you, Lord. We want to be ready in this hour, Lord. We want to be a church of people, Lord, that you're able to work through. You're going to need lifeboats. You're going to need people, Lord, that that have a hope, God, that when everything else is shaking, Lord, there's somewhere to run to, Lord. So God, use us in this hour, Lord. We just want to say yes to you today. And we thank you, God, that you even want us in that way. Just make this more real to my brothers and sisters, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Don't stop the tape yet. If there's anyone here, you haven't tasted or you tasted and went your own way, 
Jesus is calling you today to come to Him. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Come to the waters. You don't need money. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. It's free. Jesus is here. He's here. He loves you. He died for you. And He really does want you to know Him. He has the peace, the joy, the rest, the love you've been looking for in everything else, the worth you've been looking for, everything. Anybody here today, you don't know Him. You don't know Him. You've heard about Him. Maybe you've heard the Gospel a hundred times. I don't know. But, but you're not in a relationship with Him. He, he wants you to know Him. That's what salvation is. The first step is really understanding what Isaiah understood, that you are unclean. You are unclean. And guess what? There's nothing you can do about it except go to God, fall on your face, and ask Him to have mercy on you and to cleanse you from all of your sins. And you know what He promises? If you confess your sins to Me, if you repent, I will cleanse you. I I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So God's offering you cleansing. He has made a new and living way for you through His blood. He's given us access to this tremendous communion, this knowing God, this fellowship. And He's inviting anyone here, anyone online, He's inviting you to come to Him. You don't have to thirst anymore. You don't have to keep grasping for something that doesn't satisfy. You don't understand it, but you're on a pathway and it's leading to death. And God is calling out. He's offering you life, eternal life. He's offering you something that will last forever. Not like this world that's passing away. I got news just this morning. A dear friend that I worked with at another ministry, Michael Jordan, 56 years old. I guess he died the other day. We don't know from what yet. It's just a reminder. Praise God he was serving God. Today's the day of salvation. Please don't walk out of it. Please, if you're listening online, just come to God. Throw yourself at His feet. He'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. He'll come inside of you. We get a picture of this in Revelation 3 where Jesus is knocking. He's knocking on the door. He's saying, I want to come in. Don't you understand? You're wretched. You're poor. You're miserable, blind. But listen, come to me. Buy from me gold, silver that's refined. I'll clothe you. I'll cover your shame. I'll cover your nakedness. And and we'll dine. And just open the door to your heart. We'll dine together. We'll have fellowship. Me and you, God and you, we'll have fellowship. We'll sit at the table together. That's the invitation today. Anybody here, God is calling you. Just come to this altar. Everyone stand. Just come to this altar and just say, 
Jesus, I hear you. I'm coming. I'm coming today, Lord. I'm coming to you, Lord. I'm coming to you, Jesus. Anyone online, just get on your knees right now. Just cry out to him. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. God, forgive me. I acknowledge today, Lord, my own sin has separated me from you, God. I didn't understand, but Lord, I hear you calling me. And God, I want to respond to you today. So God, forgive me. God, cleanse me. Have mercy on me. Wash me, Lord. Like David prayed, purge me like hyssop, Lord. Purge me. Make me white again, O Lord. And God, anyone responding to you this morning, God, I pray they will know the the, the weight, the reality of the weight of sin being lifted off, the reality of being clothed and wrapped up in your arms, Lord. And God, I pray you will reveal your love to them. I pray you will shine the love of God into their hearts, Lord. And I pray you will fill them with the Holy Spirit. And make them to know you, Lord, more and more, root and ground them, open up their understanding to know you, Lord, and draw them to your very heart today, God. Draw them to your very heart, Lord. Just like you've drawn us. Just like you're drawing our hearts, Lord. So we thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. And we love you. We thank you for loving us, God. Bless my brothers and sisters. Go with them, Lord. I pray you'll just continue to draw them and draw them and woo them, Lord. And I pray, God, help us to respond to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God. We love you. We love you. We worship you.